Sunday morning, and we have been in a study on the narrow way. I'm by no means finished with this. This is one of the most astounding studies I have ever gotten into because it leads you to everything else that is the life of the believer. The narrow way is the only way to heaven. We're talking about the narrow way is the gospel. Did Billy Graham preach the gospel? Absolutely not. I've been on a subject of Billy Graham for a long time. I've got this book. It's called Billy Graham and His Friends. I've got some ordered, and they're starting to print some more. (coughs) Several of you (coughs) have said you wanted a copy of this, uh, and Tom has ordered some of these, haven't you, Tom? They were out, and they're going to get some more. But these are astounding. This was written by a doctor, uh, Dr. Kathy Burns. She did a lot of research on Billy Graham. I've never really liked the man. I thought he was teaching free will, which he was, and he never did preach death to self, daily cross, self-denial. He was trying to get along with the world. There's a couple of verses that have been our foundational verses for this teaching. One is over there where the, the scripture says there in Luke six twenty twenty six, 26, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Well, the, when the false prophets would come and tell Israel, no, you're not going to go under all of this siege from Nebuchadnezzar, Jeremiah is walking through the streets of Jerusalem and says, judgment is coming. One man, a man named Hanani, Hanani said, no, 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 you're not going into captivity for 70 years. You'll only be there for two years. And God tells Jeremiah, you tell Hanani, I'm going to kill him before the year's up. And God did exactly that. I would be afraid to be a false teacher and contradict the word of God. If you contradict the word of God, the Bible says, what does contradict mean? What's the Eng- what is the Greek word? Arneomai, A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. And the scripture tells us that means to contradict. And the scripture says, he that denieth Christ, over there in 1 John two twenty two. He that denieth Christ is antichrist. You are antichrist if you say the word of God is not true whenever the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. I've had people tell me, I don't believe in predestination. And I'll say, if you're a Christian, you have to believe in it. It's in the Bible. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's in Ephesians 1 and 5. And he has predestinated us according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That's Ephesians 1 11. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, that is in Ephesians, that is in Romans 8 and 29. And then verse 30 said, Verse 30 says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, called, predestinated in verse 30, 
predestinated predestinated called justified and glorified now this verse right here this Romans 8 and 30 proves 8 and 30 that God did not predestine everybody people will say he predestined everybody he did not if he had it, they would have all been called, justified, and glorified. These are all aorist, A-O-R-I-S-T, indicative verbs. An aorist indicative, you say, Jim, I don't know what that means. I'm going to explain it to you. An aorist indicative is a past tense. You know what a past tense is, don't you? Well, let me give you something on the aorist indicative verbs. It can be an aorist indicative. It's all past tense. That's where the action begins. Begins in the past. If I say, if I say Roger ran the, uh, ran the race, that means he has run it. He's already run. But this you have, you have three different types that we're going to talk about of aorist indicative. You have a the consumative and you have a a constitutive constitutive and you have an ingressive And it depends on what it is. If it's if it happened one time in the past, if I say Jesus died on the cross, that's a consumative because it happened one time. If I say you and I, I die daily. I have died and I'm still dying daily. That's constitutive. And ingressive means you move into the movement, but there's no exact way of determining whether it's ingressive or constitutive. Constitive means constant. Ingressive means you move into the movement. And ingress in real estate, I stole real estate for years. If you got a road here and you got a piece of land here and you got a track of land back here, if you live, if your land is located behind this land here and this land over here, this man here is required by Tennessee law to give you an ingress into his property back there. So he has to allow you to make a road here back into that property. And that's called, this is called landlocked. So you can buy something like that but you'll have to go along with whatever the laws or the codes are for that. And he has to give you an ingress. Ingressive means the movement goes into it, but it doesn't tell where it stops. So you have to go by the context. So all of these words, justified, meant that means D-K-I-O, D-I-K-A-I-O-O. D-K-I-O is the word justified. It means to render innocent 
or to render righteous, well, we're justified by works. Justified does not mean saved. Justified means to render what renders us innocent before people, but that happened in the past. We have been justified from the foundation of the world. Not that our flesh is justified. The new man that God intends to birth in us is justified, and we're going to be rendered innocent, and you will do the works of righteousness. Every time I say this, people say, you're teaching works for salvation. I am not. I'm teaching a faith that works for salvation. Faith without works is dead being alone. If God doesn't work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure, you're not a believer. Somewhere along the way, you have to be doing that. Glorified, doxa. It means to be the glory of God. God has made us his glory before the world began. And those that are predestined are called kaleo. We were called before the foundation of the world. Kaleo, we are the E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, which is the word church. And it comes from two words, ek and kaleo. Kaleo, every time you find something that says, for hereunto were you called, he says that in First Peter, that third chapter, you were called into these things, kaleo, we were called out. But we were called out before the foundation of the world. We were the church in the mind of God. And we've been predestined before the foundation of the world Predestinate prohorizo means to predetermine for the boundary, boundary, and horizo is our word horizon. So we are, have been predestined for the horizon, the light, and he is constantly pronouncing us for the light. Billy Graham didn't preach any of this. He didn't preach He didn't preach the gospel because the gospel is the narrow way. We've been talking about this. Before I get into that, let me read you some things about Billy Graham. I haven't even begun. You won't exhaust this book. This has some, these are all documented facts in this. I want to read to you something that Billy Graham said about his popularity. Okay. If you're, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Everybody talked well of Billy Graham. All the world leaders, all of the dignitaries, most of your church people, the Baptists, the Catholics, the the Presbyterians, the Church of Christ, they all talked good of Billy Graham. Everybody liked him. Well, the scripture says if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. I believe Billy Graham was God's enemy. He was friends of the whole world. He's the most famous preacher that has lived in the last 2,000 years, and he was a false teacher. But he was a real nice guy. If he lived next door to you, I'm sure he wouldn't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew, or go with the girls that do. I'm sure of that. But he was a phony. Anytime you see something that's too good to be true, let me tell you, we are all sinners, aren't we? Anything that's too good to be true is too good to be true. There's no man like him that's as good as he acted like he was. I never heard him give any kind of testimony about what a sinner he was. If you did, 
He's probably like most Baptist preachers. Well, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. What is your sin? Can you name some of it? Can you tell us how you've lusted after women when you see a woman with a low-cut dress? Or with just a tight dress on? Here's Billy Graham's words. Graham said that he was reluctant to talk to talk about all the famous people he had met, but that reluctance certainly didn't stop him from spending a good amount of over 700 pages referring to such acquaintances in his autobiography, Just As I Am. I've got that book. It is ridiculous. It also stopped, didn't stop him from flaunting a picture after picture of himself meeting with various presidents and royalty. He also pays a lot of attention to the public opinion polls. In fact, one of Graham's biographers noted that Graham admitted that he may pay more attention to public opinion attention polls, polls than he ought to. Here's Graham's words. Said Graham, I wonder sometimes if I'm pleasing God or man. You wouldn't wonder that if you're trying to please God. That wouldn't be a wonder in you. Let's look and see what Paul said over in Galatians. Look in Galatians. Galatians, the first chapter, one of Mary's favorite verses. She quotes this to people all the time. Galatians, the first chapter. And Billy Graham wonders if he's, if he, those are his words. I heard him say to Diane Sawyer in an interview, I said, Barbara Walters at one time, but it was Diane Sawyer, the same thing. <laughs> I heard him say to Diane Sawyer, I want God to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou in the joys of thy Lord, but I don't know that he's going to do that. I heard him say that myself on the TV. And TV as Diane was, was interviewing him. He's a very mushy guy. He's dead now. I don't know how in the world he got into heaven. You've got to offend people. You've got to have enemies. The Bible says, Bless you, ye, when the world shall hate you. When they reproach you. The word reproach, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. Billy Graham was not oniedzo. That means to be infamous. Bless you when men make you infamous. He was exact opposite of that. He was famous. Everybody liked him. Here's what Paul says. He preached another gospel. Let me read this to you. Verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you at Galatia unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. There's more than one gospel in the Bible. There's the true gospel. There's a false gospel, which is actually not another gospel. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Metastrepo is the word pervert, M-E-T-A, S-T-R-E-P-H-O. Metastrepo means to turn upside down. They've turned the gospel upside down. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you. That is saying there's another gospel to preach, but it's a gospel without narrowness. It's a gospel without tribulation and trials. That we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Anathema. 
cut off from God if he preaches another gospel. As we said before, so say again. Now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then you have received, let him be a curse. For do I now persuade men or God? I'm not trying to please men. The things that I say are hated by most of the world. Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If you're out here pleasing men, you're not preaching truth. And that's all that he did. I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man. That's amazing that God struck Paul down on the Damascus Road in the ninth chapter of Acts. He didn't say, would you like to accept me as your Savior? He didn't say, would you like to pray to me? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God converted him with no preacher preaching except Jesus right there on the Damascus Road. Well, I was not taught it by revelation, but but by revelation of Jesus Christ. And look back over here one more time. Second Corinthians. Billy Graham was that other Preach that other Jesus is what he did. Second Corinthians 11. This chapter here tells you about the other Jesus and the other gospel. That's what he preached. You say, Jim, you keep saying this. I want to drive this in the ground and break it off. You can call me. You can email me and say, you're a false teacher. You're this, you're that. What it is is you are blind you can't, people can't seem to take simple, basic statements and evaluate them. Billy Graham said, I don't know whether I'm pleasing men or God. You wouldn't say that if you're pleasing God, because if you're pleasing God, you're going to make enemies. Here in chapter 11, Paul said, would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly. He says, I'm going to talk foolish right now for a little bit. And talk the way men talk. And indeed bear with me. I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you, Corinthian church, to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. That word beguiled is exapatao, E-X-A-P-A-T-E-O. E-X, oh, excuse me, let me get another pen. Exapatao. Well, I can't get the thing open. Let me put some grease on this, I guess. E-X-A. P-A-T-E-O. Apatao is one of the words for deceive. X on that means to deceive completely, all the way out, all the way to every exit. Means to deceive completely. As the serpent beguiled Eve, Through his subtility, this is how Billy Graham beguiles people. Through his subtility, it was through what's called subtilities with panogia, P-A-N-O-O-U-R-G-I, P-A-N-O-U-R-G-I. Panogia means 
adroitness. Adroit, something that's adroit is sophisticated or sophistry, S-O-P-H. Oh, let me see how it's spelled, sophistry. I-S-T-R-Y. What? Get another pen. Is that still light? I need to get me some more pens, I guess. All right. Sophistry. Or it means to be smooth or use trickery. Now, when men talk smooth talk, they're tricking people into believing there's something that they're not. Billy Graham was that way. He was kind of sinless. And you all kind of gather that when you watched him. He didn't look like he was a sinner. And he never showed how he was a sinner and how he was tempted and how he would look at things and how that he was a human, more than a human being. He was somewhere next door to God. He wasn't. All men are sinners. All men drink iniquity like water. All men. That's everybody. That's every person that's here. Every person that's ever lived. Every person that's ever existed drinks iniquity like water. None seeks after God. Nobody. I don't want to tell you about my past and the sin of my past. I'd be so embarrassed. Most of you probably wouldn't come back to see me. But Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. You have to be a self-confessed, 100% bona fide sinner to be a believer. And you have to set within your heart. God only opens up the heart of his elect family so they can see the darkness of their own heart. If God's never done that to you, that has yet to come or you're an unbeliever. You're a vessel of wrath. So let's go back to here, back to this. Right. So this is smooth talk. Satan, you know what God, you know what Satan did in the garden? He was Antichrist. What did he do? He simply denied what God said. Well, God didn't mean that. He didn't mean you'll die and go to hell. He didn't mean you're going to die. God knows that if you eat this tree, that you'll be as he is. That's what God, that's all that Satan did. He talked smooth talk. In fact, the word serpent in Genesis 3 and 1, serpent is the word nakash, N-A-C-H-A-S-H. That's the word serpent. It's not the common word for serpent. It means to enchant, to speak smooth words. And one of the writers, I believe it was the theological word book, said that enchant means to kill with the eye. To kill with the eye. In fact, that's exactly what happened because idolatry, remember the word idolatry? E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A Idolatry comes from two words. Ido, meaning to see. Remember, kill with the eye. And latruo. Latruo means to serve. And idolatry means to serve what you see. And of course, the Bible says covetousness 
is idolatry, and covetousness just is the word pleonectes, P-L-E-O-N-E-K-T-E-S. It means to want more any way you can get it. It's every kind of devious thinking and thought so you can have your way in business or with your family, by bullying people. That's smooth talk. That reminds me of Romans sixteen seventeen. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrines that ye have learned and avoid these people. What this other Jesus is, it's a, it's, the other Jesus is a para Jesus. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses that are contrary That other Jesus is a contrary Jesus. It is a parallel Jesus. Para, contrary, means parallel. It runs right along with truth, but it doesn't get right on target. It has a Jesus. It has a gospel. It has a spirit. And that's another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. It's the wrong one. Why would Paul warn us about that if there wasn't any? He wouldn't, would he? Now, he says she was beguiled, beguiled Eve through his subtlety, through his trickery. Reminds us of the word dolos. D-O-U-L-O-S. Guile. It means to live and speak and talk by trickery. That's what salespeople do. If they're these used car salesmen or new car salesmen or Whatever it is, if they talk by tricker and they're talking smooth, anybody that talks real smooth to you say, stop that. Because they know what they're doing. I don't care what you're into. If you, if you can't be straightforward with each other, it's smooth talk. And that's how people are fooled. We're to use great plainness of speech. Remember that in Second Corinthians 3, 11, or 3.12? Plainness. Seeing we have such hope, we use your great plainness of speech. Great is a great word. Great. Great plainness. P-O-L-U-S. You don't just use plainness once in a while. You use it often. Every time you open your mouth, plainness, P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A. Parhesia means to be blunt. Not cutting intentionally, not abrasive, be to the point. Tell the truth. Don't beat around the bush. Don't polish it up. Don't say, well, I've got this garage sale and this is a a wonderful, beautiful little item here and you're smoothing it over and they can see what it is. Don't, Don't say it's something that they don't need or don't try to sell them on how it could be used and utilized. You say, what are we going to do with this, dear? I don't know. Get it in the garage sale. Get rid of it. I used to drive up to a house when I was in real estate. I remember driving up to a house. And I had these clients with me when I was in real estate. We was down in Madison. Drove up to this house. I said, we're not going to go in here and look at this. That is terrible. They need to burn that down and start over. They said, well, let's go in there and tell them we, we appreciate their house. I said, let's don't do that. Waste their time and ours. It's, a t- it's terrible. You don't want that. And I just get real plain with that. I say, okay. 
lot of people want to be smooth talking to people just to be polite. That's what Billy Graham was. Now, let's go back to this 1 Corinthians 11. Through his subtlety, so your minds, here's what happens when people talk to you smooth. Your minds, noema, N-O-E-M-A. It is a form of noose. Remember the word metanoia? Metanoia is the word repent. It means to be turned and think differently. Noia. That is a form of the word noose or noema. And the mind is your perception. Here's what happens when somebody smooth talks to you. Your perception is corrupted. Smooth talk will ruin your thinking in the world. I, and you know who's done smooth talk? The whole nation. It's awful difficult to live in this world. The whole nation is talking smooth. All the business people talk smooth. That's what's wrong with our world, our country. We are so caught up with stuff and things. We got to make money. We got to, it don't matter if we hurt people. That's wrong. Your minds are corrupted. Fathero. P-H-T-H-E-I-R-O. Corrupted. P-H-T-H-E-I-R-O. Rotten. Your thinking is become Rotten. It's worthless when you're corrupted this way. It means your intellect or your thought is corrupted. And when you allow people smooth talk to corrupt you, that you're in trouble. And you're corrupted from the simplicity, the haplotes, the sincerity. Haplotes, H-A-P-L-O-T-E-S. Haplotes means the simplicity of Christ, or it has the word of being single. And if the eye be single, pluck it out. It doesn't mean to really literally pluck your eye out. I mean, if you had invitation hymns, you'd have to have an eye plucker down at the front and say, all right, now we got an ice pick. Would you like to come forward and have your eye plucked out? That's not what it's talking about. Whatever causes you to look at things you don't need to be looking at. If you're looking at a car you can't afford, say, I'll get three jobs to buy that. That's a wrong way to live. Huh? (laughs) Have an eye plucker. (laughs) We'd like to invite you to come this morning. Have your eye plucked out. It's talking about if your hand offends you, cut it off. It's talking about whatever your hand goes to do that does the wrong thing of God. Your hand's connected to your mind, so is your eye. Now, let's uh, finish this up. Your minds are corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Smooth talk will ruin you. That's why it goes on to say in Romans sixteen, seventeen, they that are such, these people that, that you've marked, who are there, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine you've learned, and avoid these people, stay away from them. Because they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies, and by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, the haplotes. 
The way you get fooled is by smooth talk. And Billy Graham was the smoothest talker in the world. He had everybody liking him because he's a smooth talker. Let me finish this up. For if he that cometh, evidently there were some preachers coming to Corinth that were preaching in the name of God. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom ye have not whom we have not preached, there's a Jesus that we haven't preached. The Jesus that's not preached is the one without the narrow way, without death to self, without self-denial. And smooth talks the world and bores the average person. A lot of people don't want to go to church because the preacher's boring. If I had to listen to Billy Graham, I'd just rather go fishing every day. If I had to listen to Charles Stanley, I'd rather go out here and watch a road gang work on a road and listen to a jackhammer run. I'd, I'd rather do that. If you're bored with him, you're not near as bored as I am because I know where they're lying. They lie as fast as they talk. They got to accept Christ in their gospel and you can't accept Christ when you're dead in sin. They got sinner's prayer for salvation. You can't pray sinner's prayer when you're dead. There is none that calleth upon thy name. Isaiah 64 and 7. There's none that calleth upon thy name. I want you to notice what this is saying. There's none that calleth upon thy name. That stirreth up himself. To take hold. Of thee. Nobody, when they're dead in sin, calls upon God's name to stir himself up. U-W-R is the word stirreth up. It means to wake from the dead. You can't... That is saying that there's no sinner's prayer to wake you from the dead so you can take hold of God. You can't pray a sinner's prayer to take hold of God. You're dead in sin. This is saying the exact same thing that Romans ten thirteen says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You can't call on a God you don't believe in, and you can't wake yourself from the dead. You who are dead in trespasses and sin, he's quickened. He has to do the quickening, waking from the dead... Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. That is the word quicken, to make zoo alive. You go to a zoo and see living animals. Nobody can make you from, wake you from the dead but Jesus. You can't call upon God's name to wake yourself from the dead. You're dead. When you're dead, how dead are you? Well, you're dead. That's how dead you are. Dead is dead, isn't it? Now, let me finish this because we want to see who these other preachers are. This is Billy Graham. If he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, and if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, if you receive another spirit, what would another spirit be? Well, first of all, you've got to know what the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit is the truth 1 John 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth. 
John 15, 16, John 14, 15, and 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13 says, when the comforter is come, even the spirit of truth, the spirit is truth. If somebody preaches another spirit, they're preaching another truth. They're preaching a lie that's masquerading as the truth. It's just not true. Do you have a hard time recognizing liars? They're everywhere in America. I've had several people tell me lately, I thought you were really angry when I first heard you preach. I couldn't understand why you were running down these preachers. They're lying. I've traveled all over American churches. I never ran across a preacher that knew anything about the Bible. Not one. I believe Holly told me the other day, she said, I thought you were just extra mean until I heard you uh, when I first heard you on TV. Does anybody else think I was extra mean when they first heard me? (laughs) That's everybody thought I was mean. And why are you running down these other preachers? You have to be an expert to recognize a counterfeit. I can't pull a dollar out of my pocket and tell you if it's a counterfeit or not. You have to be an expert on money. I can't tell you. But experts can. And I've spent enough time studying this book. I can tell you most preachers are lying. They're not talking about death to self, daily cross, self-denial. They're not, they never talk about being hated by the world. Yet Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you. What? Does that make any sense? Well, yes, but that's just for the first century. No, it's not. God's word is forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. A lie is a lie when it comes to the Bible. It don't matter when you preach it. Now, let's go down here and see who this is. Or another gospel. The gospel, that's what Billy Graham preached, another gospel. If he didn't preach the narrow way, the Bible says that the beginning of the gospel in Mark 1 and 1, 1 and 1, the beginning of the gospel is prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Prepare ye the way. Prepare the way. Well, how many ways are there? There, there is only two ways, but only one way to heaven. Prepare you the way is the gospel. That's what the Bible says. And then Luke repeats this same thing in Luke, the third chapter. Third chapter, starting in verse 3, he says, John came preaching the baptism of repentance which was written in the prophets, and this is also in Mark 1 and 1, the prophets preached the baptism of repentance, which was prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Well, if that was in the Gospels, you'll find it in the book of Isaiah 40. And three, and in Malachi, Malachi, the fourth chapter. You'll find that 
you'll find this story of John the Baptist. It was John's job to come preaching, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The way is narrow. There's a narrow way and a broad way. If you don't preach the narrow way, Billy Graham preached the broad way. The broad way, you can live the way you want, and many are going into the broad way, and few are going into the narrow way. That's what the Scripture tells us in Matthew seven, thirteen and 14. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and only a few will find it. But Billy Graham's got the whole world believing him. I got something I got to read to you. I'll get to the rest of this. Got to read this to you about Billy Graham. He just he said he and President Johnson got together at the White House and all we did was brag on each each other. He kept telling me I was the greatest uh, evangelist and religious leader in the world, and I kept telling him he's the greatest uh, politician in the world. And Johnson cussed like a sailor. I wonder if he ever stopped him from that. He said the GD word, the D word, the S word, everything you can think of. Johnson was a cusser. I wonder if he tried to stop him. Then, let me give you this. A man named Gerald Kennedy was an apostate. He was a leftist. Something on the left meant he was a real liberal Methodist minister who denied many fundamentals of the faith, such as the virgin birth. Kennedy wrote a book entitled God's Good News in which he, he eloquently denies the deity of Christ, says he's not God. He endorses Nels Ferrer's Fair's book, which states Jesus never was nor became God. Now that's what Gerald Kennedy uh, approved of. Gerald Kennedy further revealed in his public statements that his denial of a literal hell and said that his religion was not a religion based on a book, the Bible. One of my favorite pulpits, he said, is a Unitarian church in Pennsylvania. The name Unitarian developed because they don't believe in the Trinity. Unitarians do not accept the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, the blood atonement, nor the inspiration of the scriptures. They profess that Jesus Christ is little more than a wonderful teacher and assert that the Bible is only one of many sacred writings available for, from all the great religions. Naturally, for such a liberal body, concepts such as heaven and hell are considered ridiculous, and the Christian doctrine that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins is scoffed at and summarily dismissed. Now, the reason I'm reading this is Billy Graham's going to approve of these guys, and I'm going to read you his approval, okay? When asked if Unitarian Universalists believed in God, the answer given by Unitarian Christopher Gist, Ribel, was, and this is one of their leaders, in their churches are agnostics, humanists, even atheists, as well as nature, nature worshipers, pantheists, and those a pantheist is one pan, all, and theos, it means somebody believes in many gods. And those who affirm a personal God, all recognize, however, that the word God is a stumbling block to religious communication. Don't use the word God if you're going to communicate in religion. 
Now, Unitarians, here's what they believe. Billy Graham's going to prove them. Unitarians also support abortion, active euthanasia. That's putting to death people that are old and they look like they don't have any time left, so they put them to death. And homosexuality. These are Unitarians. They believe in abortion, euthanasia, and homosexuality. Unitarians have produced many sex education materials, including a film showing people in the act of heterosexual sex, male homosexuals, also lesbians having sex, they have showed this to fifth-grade children. In April 1997 at Wellesley High School, an assembly that was required of all students featured lesbians, senior minister of Arlington Street Church. She said casual sex is good for teenagers, including homosexual sex. She said it's important to remember that sexuality happens along a long, broad continuum. Then there's a great movable feast in between. Choose for yourself. Then, let me read some more about Billy Graham's associated with these people. All right. Billy Graham held a crusade at Boston. Listen to what he says about the Unitarian Church, those that believe in all this. At that time, Protestantism in New England was weak, due in part to theological differences within some denomination, the influence of Unitarian ideas in other denominations, and the strength of the Roman Catholic Church. In spite of all that, a number of Roman Catholic priests and Unitarian clergy, together with some of their parishioners, came to the meetings of Billy Graham, along with those from evangelical churches. With my limited evangelical background, this was a further expansion of my own ecumenical outlook. I now began to make friends among people from many different backgrounds and to develop spiritual love for their clergy. Do you notice that over 50 years ago, Graham had developed a spiritual love for Unitarian clergy and they believed in homosexuality. They made all these sex films that they showed to fifth graders and he said he believed in them. And then this guy Kennedy was allowed to chair Graham's 1960, and he approved of all of this. He chaired Graham's 1963 Los Angeles Crusade. Now, in fundamentalist eyes, the Los Angeles campaign set another less glorious record when Graham acquiesced in the choice of a Methodist bishop, Gerald Kennedy, as the chairman of the Crusades General Committee, and he put his approval on all this Unitarianism. His theology was frankly liberal. He had once ventured that he doubted the deity of Christ and admitted he had never believed in the virgin birth, and Billy Graham's got him chairing a campaign? I don't know if that bothers you, but the world don't seem to care much. In fact, Graham said, August 21st, 1963, Bishop Kennedy is one of the ten greatest Christian preachers in America. The guy believed in Unitarianism, Universalism. Let me read something else here. Now, I'm going to come back next week and read this. I got more to teach. I hope you could...
Does that bother you? And the whole world loves Billy Graham. And he puts his approval on every kind of religion. He loved him. If you're friends with the world, you adulterers and adulteresses. It's talking about spiritual adultery in James 4 and 4. Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Enmity is the word ectra, E-C-H-T-H-R-A. And that is hostile to God. And whosoever be the friend of the world, friend, philos, comes from the word philia, P-H-I-L-I-A. It means to have an affection for. If you have an affection for the world, you are God's enemy. I don't know what else to say about Billy Graham. What a scoundrel. And can you recognize when you come here after a while, can you recognize false doctrine when you hear it? People are so hesitant to call down a preacher because they say we're not supposed to judge people. Yes, you are. People come and say, just not. You don't even know what that means, do they? My mother-in-law used to say that. You're not supposed to judge. I say, yes, you are. I'd say, where is that in the Bible you're not supposed to judge? And she'd say, I don't know. It's somewhere in there. (laughs) She was a country woman. It's somewhere. I said, no. But she wouldn't listen to me. The Bible says, let me, I have people email me. You're not supposed to judge Billy Graham. Yes, I am. Certainly am. When the Bible says, judge not, Matthew 7 and 1. When somebody says, judge not, I say, where is that in the Bible? It's not there. It's not there what you're talking about. They'll say, judge not. The Bible don't say that. What it says, when you have a, a sentence that starts with a verb, judge is a verb. You learn this in about the 7th or 8th grade. When you start a sentence with a verb, there's an understood subject. You judge not. But you've got to define what judge is. It mean, It's the word crino. It means to decide guilt or 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 innocent. You can't decide whether somebody's guilty or innocent. God has already decided. So what do we do? We tell them what God decided. John seven twenty four. Look not at the outward appearance, but judge righteous. Wasn't it amazing? Nobody even knows this is there. Judge righteous judgment. Are we supposed to judge? Absolutely. We judge the judgment of God. We tell people what God said. And by the way, this word judge, that's an imperative mood. Imperative mood. That means it's a command. We are to judge righteous judgment, but we're not to decide who is guilty are innocent. And when you say judge not, you've decided this person you're saying that about is innocent. 
You're guilty of judging if you say somebody's innocent and we're not supposed to pronounce the judgment of God on them. Now let's go back over here to 2 Corinthians 11. I've never really gone through this completely. Look here and let's read down to the next section of it. It's talking about these same men coming to Corinth that preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. Then he says in verse 5, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. I wouldn't behind any of them. I've come, I'm writing 14 books of the New Testament. I believe it was 14. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. But I, I though be rude in speech, idiotes, unlearned in speech, yet not in knowledge, I know I have the truth. I'm rude in speech. I don't have the extended vocabulary that Hank Hanegraaff has. He talks in circles for 30 minutes, and you don't have any idea what he said. None. You listen to, uh, used to listen to R.C. Sproul, and he used about a $20 word every sentence. And you're going, what's he talking? A truck driver couldn't understand anything he was saying. But though I be rude in speech, yes, not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself? He's comparing himself with these preachers that have come preaching this other Jesus. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached unto you the gospel of God freely? We gave it to you for free. In fact, he tells the Corinthians, I give the gospel without charge in the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. We give away all of our DVDs. They're free. We give away package, postage, handling, and we never ask for money for the ministry, ever. Well, how do you make it, Jim? I believe God has an exact family out there, a predestinated elect family, and they can hear these words. The hearing ear and the seeing eye of the Lord has made it in both of them. I believe people that hear the truth, if we, somebody will call, say, I really love your teaching. I say, give us a call back if you want to be on the list to get DVDs regularly. A lot of them will tell me right then, I want them regularly. So we put them on the list to get them. And six and nine months later, I had a guy call me one day and he said, you told me nine months ago, he was going to send me DVDs, and you was never going to ask for money. He said, I've been getting them ever since, and you've never asked for a nickel. I said, I never will. I said, I believe that God's people will eventually be convicted to give to the truth. And we're on TV in about 250 towns and cities, and we pay all the TV time. It's Some of it's free TV time on public access, and a lot of it's lease access, and we pay about $12,000 a month on TV time, every month. And we never ask for money. Now, what's my motive? Huh? Must have a motive of some kind. My motive is I believe this word with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to give it to everybody. That's why I carry a pocket of DVDs, pocket full of DVDs around. And I give them away all day long. And you can have the DVDs to give away. All you have to do is say, Tom, I want some DVDs to give away. We're going to give them away free from now on. I believe that God's people are looking for the truth. And when they hear it, they say, I'm going to support that. Besides that, the tithe is a New Testament teaching. People that say it's not, it's ignorant. 
And I'll go through that also. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. What does he mean by that? Well, in Philippians, the, the third chapter, he's, he's talking about, I took money, uh, not, fifth, not the Philippians, second, second Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Second Corinthians, the eighth chapter, he said, I had to go to Macedonia. Macedonia is just, here's the, uh, the Aegean Sea. Macedonia is up in here. That's where Philippi and Thessalonica is. He said, I had to go up here to get money for your church and borrow money from them because they, they were willing to do this. The 8th and ninth chapter of Second Corinthians is about money taken for the poor. It's not about giving offerings. And whenever it says, uh, God loveth a cheerful giver, that's not about the tithe. There's other verses that are about the tithe. That's about God taking offerings or Paul taking offerings for the poor in Jerusalem who were under attack by the Roman Empire. And they, did, they were starving over there in Jerusalem. Now, where was I? And I'll have to go through that on another day. That's another subject in itself. And when I was present with you and wanted, or I was in need, hestereo, it means destitute. People say, Paul was rich. Ridiculous. He was destitute at points. H-U-S-T-E-R-E-O. H-U-S-T-E-R-E-O. The woman that gave her last, she was, she gave her last coin in the offering plate. The Bible says she gave out of her need. That word need is hestereo. She was destitute. That I heard a charismatic preacher say she gave out of her need. She needed something, so she gave to get something. Idiots. It was that John Avanzini. He's a knucklehead. And he is. They, I had a f- friend that went out to his church in Fort Worth. Fort Worth is saturated with these cockroaches that call call themselves uh, charismatic preachers. And John Avanzini's one. And this friend of mine went out there to treat his church. He was in the pest control business. He went out to treat, treat his church. And they said he had a picture of Jesus sitting on a stone in the foyer. And he had two bags of gold, one in each hand. That's in John Avanzini's foyer. What a joker. Now, when I was present with you and it was in need, I was chargeable to no man. I didn't charge anybody anything. We give this gospel without charge. Can you show me that? Yeah, let's go back over here. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 9. Verse 16, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woes unto me, if I preach not this gospel that I'm preaching to you. There's a cry of damnation against me if I preach not this gospel. And if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if I against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, God insists that I do it anyway. What is my reward then verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. I'm not going to charge anybody, Paul said. 
that I abuse not my power in this gospel. And Corinth was the laziest bunch of bums in the world. He told them in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, he said, you need to be drinking, eating meat, but I have to feed you with milk because you're babies. You're full of carnal things. You just want the world. So when you're reading 1 Corinthians, there's not one word of commendation in the whole book. He's having to chew them out every time he turns around. Back to 2 Corinthians 11. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking, that which was, it's a form of the word hystereo, that which was lacking, the brethren which came from Macedonia, Philippi, supplied. I had to get money from other churches because you were too lazy. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Achaia was lower Greece. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. God told the Corinthians, he said, the more I love you, the more you hate me. The more I'm giving you the truth. The more He said, actually, the less I be loved. And what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. There's many men trying to get me and stop me, particularly these preachers that are coming here preaching this other Jesus, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such, what is he referring to as such? He's referring back to these preachers coming here preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, and he tells you who they are. For such are false apostles, deceitful, dolos. They're filled with guile and trickery, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. These guys preaching this other gospel, which Billy Graham was. Are you afraid to not call him down? No, I'm not afraid of him or Kenneth Copeland or T.D. Jakes. They're all liars cheating people out of their money. Do you mind if somebody steals from your grandmother? Huh? I know where they're stealing. I know where they're lying. There was, I was told by this one family said this guy came up to his grandmother's yard and and noticed that she needed some gravel on her driveway. And he said, I got, I got a, a half a pickup load, a half a dump truck load of gravel out here, and I'll sell it to you on a deal. A truckload of gravel at the time was about $250. He said, I'll give you what's left of this gravel. I was doing a driveway down the street, and I'll give it to you for $500. Well, I guess you would, you thief. <laughs> I mean, does that bother you that somebody steals from the poor? We give to the poor every month. It bothers me when somebody steals from the poor. Somebody don't have any money. They make five, six hundred a month, and you're over there stealing what little savings they had. Jan Krauss got on TV in one day, and she said, there's a little old grandmother out there, and you've got $500 in a fruit jar. 
Well, when you are on TBN and you're going all over the world, there's five thousand mothers that's got there's five thousand mothers that's got a five hundred dollars in a fruit jar, and they're all going to say she must be talking to me. That lying woman died and went to hell. I don't have any doubt of that. You judging her? I'm judging her because she wasn't in the narrow way. She had no persecution. She all she did was spend money, money that poor people would send to her. I'm not angry for me. If they were just cheating me, they're going to have a hard time cheating me. It's because I am trying to defend, and 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 defend. I'm trying to defend the poor. When I attack TBN, we call it DBN. It's the Devil's Broadcasting Network. Devil Damanion comes from Dial, meaning to distribute fortunes. That's what it is. They distribute fortunes to themselves. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. They're living by trickery, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Transform. Meta. S C H E M A T I Z O. Meta schematizo means to disguise oneself. They're disguised as apostles of Christ, but they're false teachers. At the end of time, there's going to be a great apostasy. We, guess what? We are in it. Apostasy, apostasis. Second Thessalonians 2 and 3 says, The day of the Lord will not come except to come a falling away first. Falling away. It's this word, apostasis. One word in the Greek, apo and stasis. Apo means off, apo means off with. Whatever stasis is, stasis means to stand upright and it's the derivative of the word staros, which is the word cross. A man in the first century was said to be bearing his cross, but men in this world hate the cross of Christ. Paul told the Philippians that in Philippians, the third chapter, he said, men hate at the church in that church at Philippi, hate the cross of Christ. And there's a reason for it. The reason these people are doing all these things, he said, because their God is their belly. And they mind earthly things. Their mind is on earthly things. Mind earthly. Their mind, their phroneo, P-H-R-O-N-E-O. This is one of my favorite verses concerning the narrow way. Their mind, their thinking, their sentiment. Their sentiment is on gay. The word earthly is gay. G-E. It means dirt, soil. They like what they can see and feel and touch. And everything you can see that is tangible, everything is made of dirt. Your dirt. This carpet is dirt. The tables are dirt. Your car is dirt. You put dirt gasoline in your car. You go to a dirt building, work a dirt job. They pay you with dirt money. You go to a dirt bank, and you see a dirt teller. And if you need to borrow some money, you go to a dirt banker. It's all dirt. 
their mind is on stuff. That's why they don't like the cross. But it is the daily cross they don't like. And at the end of time, we're in that falling away now. And people say the apostasy begins at the at the rapture of the church. Oh, baloney. We're going to be changed at the last trumpet. There are seven trumpets that sound in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. And when the seventh one sounds, the mystery of God, the church is complete. And Christ puts one foot on the land and the other on the sea and says, Time is no more at the sounding of the seventh trumpet. I think a thousand year reign would be a time, wouldn't it? There's no thousand years. It's two thousand. We're living in that right now. Don't have time to go into that. And read read on. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Transformed, metaschematid, so... Satan comes disguised as Christ in preachers. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Sheep's clothing is wool. And all of the shepherds wore wool coats. So when you see a man coming with a three-piece suit and a watch fob, that don't mean he's a preacher. If he's not telling the truth, he's another liar. That's what they are, huh? Yeah. I don't believe in preachers. If I wasn't preaching here, there's not a church that I would go to in the world. I'd say, Lord, it's time for me to die. It'd have to be one of you teaching. Because I won't come and I will not go down to the big Baptist church, the big church of Christ, the Catholic church. I wouldn't go to any of them places. Wouldn't go to a charismatic church in the world. You'd have to tie me up, gag me and bind me to get me into Kenneth Copeland's church. It would absolutely be against my will. The man is a thief. He owns a, I just challenge you to go online and look up Kenneth Copeland's house. He lives in a house with 18,000 square feet. You know how big that is? The size of a small shopping center. 18,000. He's, uh, but that's not the only house he owns. He owns a log cabin in Arkansas. He calls it a cabin, but you can see behind him, the logs are about this thick, probably cured out of Oregon or Washington State and shipped in. Ain't no telling how big that is. And those guys own lots of homes. Kenneth Copeland owns thousands of acres, which he stole the money from poor people to buy. He's got thousands of cattle on his land. He's got a $20 million jet. He might have two of them by now. I don't know. He's a crook. Do I mind calling him a crook? No, he's a crook. If somebody's beating people, he's preaching the things in the Bible that are not there. He takes the Word of God and twists them. I've got to give you something here. We're talking about the narrow way, aren't we? Narrow way. What we need to do is clarify, which I've clarified it many times. Do I have any time, Mike? Mike? 22. Huh? 22. 22. Well, I can clarify this. Okay, there's two ways, right? 
There's a narrow way and a broad way. And the narrow way is the gospel. The Bible says, John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which was prepare you the way. There's only one word for way in the, in the Greek. It's the word hodos. John, pre, John preached prepare the hodos. And the Bible says that the hodos leads to life and few will find it. Few. You have to be going through a narrow way. Narrow dose. Narrow is the word T-H-L-I-B-O. That is the basic same word as T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. The Bible says there is a narrow way that leads to life, leads to eternal life, and you have to be in the narrow way. If you're in the narrow way, you're in the Thalipsis way. Every time you find the word tribulation, when you look up when you look up narrow, it'll tell you Thalibo, and it will tell you Thalipsis is a basic same form of the word. One is a verb, the other is a noun. Thalipsis is the same word you'll find all through. I gave you a paper on it. I gave you this last week. Every time the word Thalibo is mentioned... It's 2346. And then when you see Thalipsis, it's 2347. It will tell you that Thalipsis comes from the word 2346. So they're basically basically the same word. Every time you find the word tribulation, it's, it's Thalipsis. Every time you find it. Sometimes it will be affliction. Sometimes it will be, uh, it'll be a tribulation, affliction, tribulation, affliction. Uh, that's Thalipsis. Then Thalibo will be that word narrow, the word afflicted, troubled, troubled. We shall suffer affliction. That's all the word Thalibo. And the Bible says narrow is the way, and every time you find tribulation, it's the word Thalipsis. So if you're in the narrow way, you're in tribulation. Probably my favorite verse on tribulation is Acts fourteen twenty two. When Paul was stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra, he said we must through much tribulation. People have to want to kill us for this message. They have to want to kill you for the truth. They killed Jesus for it, didn't they? What amazes me. Paul preached and they killed him. Jesus preached and they crucified him. They killed him. Peter preached and they crucified him upside down. John preached and they boiled him in oil and put him on Patmos. When he came off Patmos, he suffered the martyr's death. Andrew died on St. Andrew's cross. They killed millions of Christians during the Inquisition. They killed all the prophets. They wanted to kill Jeremiah. They hung him in the mire. You go back to all the prophets, they killed him right and left. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you garnish the sepulchres of the prophets. You're the one that put them in their, in their sepulchres. You're the people that did it. And that's what the preachers do. They, Billy Graham was crucifying those of us who preach the truth daily. I didn't like the man. I will preach against him the rest of my life. He was the most influential man in the church in America 
in the 20th century turned everybody to accept Christ. He turned all the Baptists, even a lot of the Church of Christ, even the Catholics to accepting Christ. He he taught them to uh, let Jesus come into your heart when you can't let Jesus come into a filthy heart like you've got. He taught him to pray the sinner's prayer. Billy Graham was the cause of all of that. He has caused more apostasy in the church than any other man who's ever lived. And he was leading people around like he was a great spiritual leader. And he put his approval on Unitarianism. He put his approval on the Dalai Lama. I've got a picture of him shaking hands with the Dalai Lama. And he's hugging him. He hugs the Pope. He liked everybody and everybody liked him. That's not a commendation for Christians. They killed all these people, all the prophets, all of the all the apostles, they crucified them, they stoned them, they beat their brains out, and they loved Billy Graham. Something's wrong with this picture, is it? If somebody preaches smooth, that's not a sign to believe in them. Now, let me give you something. All right, go over here, and we've just said to you that uh, I got to find my paper. Go over here to Third John two. Third John. I now I define this. This is the Charismatics' favorite verse. One of their favorite verses. Third John two. Huh? Third John two. Let's go ahead and read one and two. The elder unto the well beloved Gaius, whom I love, I agape in the truth. That word is truth. Agape is walking the commandments of God. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now the Charismatics have taken that and said, See, God wants you to prosper and have money and have real good health. It's not what it says in the Greek text. It doesn't say that at all. That word prosper is the word E-U-O-D-O-O. Euodio. It is a construction of the word E-U. E-U means well. Well, and we see that prefix on eulogy. A eulogy comes from you and logos. Logos is the word word in the Greek. You means well. It means well words. You stand over a person in the casket and you say well words that he's not deserving of over him while he's in the casket. That's a eulogy. Euodio means well. comes from well and hodos. Hodos is a common word way. It means a well way. What is the well way? If there's a well way, there's got to be a bad way. The bad way is broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many go into the broad way. More people are going to hell than are going to heaven. Only a few can hear the truth. 
just a few. If you can hear the truth, you'll have to obey it. To hear is to obey was a common saying among the people in the Middle East. In fact, here, akuo, in the Greek, and obey are basically the same word. Obey is the word hoop, A-K-O-U-O, and akuo, that's the word hear, and the Bible says, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. So if you can hear the truth, you're going to obey because hupakuo means to hear under. Hupo means under. It means, obey means to be subordinate. Are we subordinate to God? Is he our superior advisor? Is he our instructor? Yes, he is. So, when Jonathan is wishing for God's the well way, it's the better of two ways. It's the well way, the narrow tribulation way, as opposed to the broad way. Euhodos means the well way. There's two ways, the well way and the bad way. And many are going into the broad way, and if you can hear the truth, you're in the well way. But that's a developing process. It's not something you do all of a sudden. And then he says health. That word prosper and be in health. Health is the word H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. That's the word whether anybody likes it or not in the original text. We have the original text in an interlinear Bible. You can get a strong exhaustive concordance and look these words up. Hugiano is the same word that Paul would use when he would say the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. Every time the Bible speaks of sound, it's the word Hugiano. It means uncorrupt in word. Well, these preachers are preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. They're corrupting the word of God. They're seducing you by their subtlety, America, by their smooth talk. Don't listen to smooth talk. Gosh, little children do that. Are you going to stay a little child all your life and listen to people? You don't even go out there and condemn them. You call them down, but you don't. I don't spend my time running these people down. I warn people all the time about it. Everywhere I go, I warn people. You can't listen to that charismatic preacher up the street. And everything they've used to make this mean money, it's not money. And it's not, when Paul would speak of the wholesome words of God, he said, man, that, they, that suppose that gain is godliness, he said, they, and they consent not to wholesome words, that's the word hugiano in the sixth chapter of First Timothy. He's talking about, we have to be in the tribulation way that we may be accompanied by the uncorrupt word of God. That's what Third John 2 means. It doesn't mean God wants you to have a lot of money. What amazes me is the first part of that verse says, Beloved, I wish above all things. You think above all things God wants you to have lots of money and physical health? He wants you to be in the tribulation way 
and have the sound doctrine of God that'll keep you strong. So anytime you see all this is doing is shoring up the narrow way, the well way. I'm not talking about money. If I believed that, I'd go overseas to Bangladesh or go to Calcutta, India, where there's a million people lying in the street starving. I'd say, all you have to do is say it with your mouth and you can have it. Mm-hmm. Next week you'll have a Cadillac and you'll be the only poor person around here driving around in a Cadillac. <laughs> They're liars. The Bible speaks of these people as being liars. And the world will be full of them at the end of time. We are the, I don't know why. I told Mary one day we were down at Olive Garden. It's about eight or nine years ago, and I'll never forget I told her. I said, I feel like God has stuck his finger out of the sky and said, You, Jim Brown, are going to tell all the truth. I'm going, Oh, God, why me? Do I have to make all the world mad at me? Yes. God's given me something. He's given me a boldness. He's given me lots of guts to say the truth when it needs to be said. We need the truth. We have to be in the narrow way. Let me show you something else. I'll go ahead and give you a couple other words on that. In uh, Look at Romans 1 and 10. Romans 1 and 10. One and ten. Romans one and ten. Let's read nine and ten. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. In the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making a request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. He's talking about, I want to come unto you, and may I have a yuhada'o. A you. That word prosperous journey is you hodos. He's not saying, may I make a lot of money on the way over there to you. Not what he's saying. Now, look at one more verse. These are the three places you've got the word you hodao. In 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. First Corinthians 16. Here's the word Yudao one more time. Verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by and store, lie by him in store, as God hath prospered him. As he hath prospered, prospered there is the word Yudao. It's not saying as God hath made him rich. If you've made fifty dollars, lay by and store as God has prospered you. It doesn't say as he has made you rich. As you, he has given you the well way. That's what he's talking about. Let me give you another word here. Look over here at 1 Corinthians 16. And this, I said earlier, I can't by any means cover this. There's so much to this. 1 Corinthians 12. 
Now, 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the gifts of God. I'll just run through the end of it. He's talking about... Uh, well, that's 14. I won't find it there. All right. He's talking about through this whole chapter, spiritual gifts. He says at verse 1, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. He starts talking to them about spiritual things in this 12th chapter. He's reprimanded them all the way up to the 11th chapter for being children and not growing up. Then he says here in verse verse 27, Now you are members, now you are the body of Christ, members in particular. Remember, particular meros means a portion to eat of. We eat of the body of Christ and we take of the body which is the church. But God hath set some in the church, first apostles. There were 13 apostles, the 12 that traveled with Jesus and Paul, one born out of due time. There were 12 tribes of Israel. There was the 12 tribes. And Levi was not numbered with the tribes, the other tribes. You find that in the first chapter of Numbers at the very end of the chapter. Levi was never numbered. They were the priesthood. And so God split Joseph's tribe in two into Manasseh and Ephraim. That made 12 tribes and Levi one out of due time. Now, he says, first, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. The word is dunamis. Has the same, it's the same word. I declare unto you the gospel of Christ, which was the power of God unto salvation there in first corinthians first corinthians and after that miracles then gifts of healings now god doesn't give people today the gifts of healings if he did you could just walk up to somebody and touch them they'd be healed jesus said you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover but you don't have to say be healed but that's a gift of an apostle according to first corinthians 12 and 12 uh, excuse me second corinthians 12 and 12 then healings, then helps, governments, diversities of glossa, foreign languages. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Peter could raise the dead. He raised Dorcas from the dead. If you can heal, you can raise the dead. Do all speak with glossa and do all interpret? No. But watch this. Covet earnestly the best gifts and yet I show unto you a more excellent hodos. I'm going to show you something's better than the Old Testament to verify all these healings. They were only there to verify who Jesus was according to Acts 2.22. That's all they were. All the... The healings were not there for the, for the benefit of the people he healed. They were there to show who he was. He was God. And what amazes me, people believe in faith healing. Why did Jesus at the pool of Bethesda walk over there in the fifth chapter of, uh, seventh chapter of John, walk through this crowd. He's got all these people sitting around, around this pool and he walks over to one man and said, Will thou be made whole? He didn't say, Would everybody here like to be healed? He didn't say that. 
He picks out who he wants to heal. He heals who he wants to. God has healed me. I was dying at 45 years old in the hospital. I was right at death. Do I look like I'm dying right now? I was coughing. Not near as much. Not near as much. I was 45 in the hospital dying. You know what got me off of my dying? Made my health better. Didn't get me completely rid of all my problems. I quit thinking about me. I started saying, Lord, you're going to kill me if I don't stop this seeking money. I was in real estate. I was trying to get rich. I was going to buy 50 houses. I can drive down the road and tell you about deals I was going to make on this house and that house. I knew how to make deals. The houses you bought before the ministry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bought a couple, but I bought them before this ministry ever started. And people have been accused. You're buying that with. I bought two houses. I gave $500 to assume one person's loan. But it was a special deals I made for them. They said, we want you to sell our house, but we want this house over here. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I was always creating in real estate. I said, I'll loan you all my commission out of this house, out of the one I'm going to buy, and you can pay me back in two years on such and such interest rate, and you go ahead and get that house. They said, okay. And all I had to take out of my pocket was $500. This was 1980. And I've been accused of buying a rental house with ministry money. Idiots. I had a lot of business sense before I started this ministry. That was hours before this started. That's hours before this even started. That's right. People accused me to buying a house with ministry money. No, I put $500 out on the table and got the house. That was when FHA loans were assumable without qualifying. But they don't have those anymore, so you can't do that anymore. And I had 50 houses I was going to buy like that. And I wasn't cheating anybody. I had a guy call me one night, and he said, you got to come give me an offer on my house. I said, no, let me leave it on the market, and I will sell it and make you some money. He said, no, me and my wife are going to kill each other by Saturday night. <laughs> I wrote him out a contract on his house, very, very little money. He accepted it. I said, I held up the contract away from him. I said, this is not a good deal. It's all I'm willing to do. I'm not in the housing business. He said, give me that contract. He signed it. And he went out and got rolled that, that next Saturday night. And the money he got out of the house was in his sock. And he got rolled got stolen. People, when the, when the market's bad and the interest rates are ridiculous and the prices are high, that's a lot of time to buy a house. Anyway, I don't know how I got into that. But I want to show you this. And I'll come back to this next week. He said, I want to show you a more excellent way. And you flip the page and it takes you into agape. The more excellent way than the miracles and everything else is walking in the commandments of God. And the commandments of God is the narrow way. That's the more excellent way. So I'm going to have to take you through the more excellent way and show you what charity suffereth long and is kind. I'm going to have to show you what kind is. Charity is the word agape. I'm going to have to show you what charity envieth not. I'm going to have to show you what charity vaunteth not itself. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is the, is the instruction for the narrow 
way. But the narrow way is not something you willingly will go into. It's something God's got to make you deal with. You got to come to a place and say, I believe the eternal life is more important than all the stuff and things I can gather here. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. God, help us to understand this narrow way. That all the smooth talk around us, all those preachers that bore us out of our mind, they are boring. I don't know how in the world even the vessels of wrath can sit and listen to them, Lord. Thank you for truth. It's encouraging in our life. Thank you for these people. I pray for them, that you'll strengthen them in this narrow way, in this straight gate. God will praise you for all things, fight our battles, and we'll give you praise for everything. Lead us to your election. In Christ's name, amen. I didn't even hardly get started on this message because I wanted to get on to... Yeah, I guess after all these false doctrines and then you come here, you have to totally reprogram yourself. you got to re- be reprogrammed, don't you? That lady last night... Well, let me just talk to your blood clots, Jim, and I'll get them, I'll get them to come out of you. <laughs> it's like, what? What in the world you got on your mouth? He's a green man, Alicia, with a two-pronged. Crown. He looks like he's. He looks like he's the son of son of that green monster. Green man, with a Oh, y'all want some gum? Well, come over and I'll give you some. Huh? You and your doll. Would your doll need gum? But your doll can't chew gum, can he? Huh? Can your dog chew gum? All right, here you go. One. What color do you want? Watermelon. You like that one? You want this watermelon? Okay. Huh? You want the watermelon? Huh? You what? That's what you got. <laughs> you want watermelon? Huh? The yellow one? Okay, I got some yellow. All right. Here's the yellow one. There's yellow. What color do you want? Um, green. Green? I don't know if I have any green. Yeah, I do. I got some green. I got green. Where's your sisters? Where do they walk? Here you go. There's green. Now, where's your sisters? What do they want? Well, if y'all ain't going to tell me, I'm going to... Hey, Roger. Oh, glad to have you here. Oh, man. I hope people will come up and... Really? Yeah. Huh? If you got to leave them to do it, they'll do it. You know what I'm saying? Huh? If you got to leave them to do it, they'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I hope this will help you. <laughs> See what I did yesterday. <laughs>
I went over to the old house that was burned out and tried to go through there where I could save yeah. pretty much anything. I started throwing stuff out, my wife come by. You what? I thought I was putting things out on the street, you know, because it was either it burnt or it smoked damaged or wet. Start putting stuff out. I'll throw that stuff out. <laughs> uh, did you talk to uh, Scott? Scott yeah, D here? This is D. This is D here. Now you now you don't want to say thank you, thank you. You know you wanna say you was also independent Baptist? We were. Where? Uh, in Massachusetts. Who's who's your pastor? It was a man named Tim Crockett. Now see me and Jim know those guys like some house. He was younger though. I went to Tennessee Temple for a while and I went to Halbanson College in Hamilton, Indiana. A lot of independent Baptist guys come from there. They pay for churches and stuff, you know, and they and it's just He never went to uh Bible College. No, he never went to Bible College. Well, you don't need to be a Right. I think he got his Yeah. That's fine, I mean, as long as you're teaching the truth. You know. Yeah, well, no, he wasn't teaching actual Christ. I mean, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing there? I'm doing all right. Nice to meet you. I'm doing all right. If I can ever get through this narrow way, this has got so much to it. Because you got to go into the the more excellent way, which is agape. And you got to go through. But he's talking about the, the more excellent way is chapter 13. Yeah, I gotta read that because I wanna see that all come together. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Andrew, what are you doing? When are you gonna get rid of your your cast there? I'm not sure. Um, next week, I go back. They're gonna take it all and see if I need to get another one. Yeah. Because they rotate my thumb up and down. Yeah. To try to get the motion in. I'm not sure yet. I don't know about next week if they're going to put another one in there. Okay. If not, then oh, it that, goes to that therapy. Looks like it well, I hope they do. Yeah. I hope you get... I mean, pluck out, look, somebody pluck out an eye. I'm hoping they What? You said about plucking out eyes, somebody pluck out an eye. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> preach now. Well, that's somebody's eye they plucked out? Just your kids. You would you like a job as an eye plucker? It probably came off the don't think so? Okay. And I pluck her. Make your eyes pop out. You ever seen that? Make your eyes pop out. Yeah. There's an old rascal. He, he could do that. Hey, Zacho. What are you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Is anything happening in your life? Well, I just got back from uh, Japan last week. Japan? Yeah. Where you know over? I just wanted to visit. I work with a lot of Japanese, so. Do you? It was, um, I, wanted, I checked it out. It was, Is that expensive to go over there? Honestly, Tokyo. I went to Tokyo and Osaka. It's very cheap to live and eat there. Flight was just expensive. The flight was about twelve or thirteen well, hundred. But the, what do you? Are you still working for the same place? Or did you get laid no, off? I, I got laid off down there. Um, I'm still in my lease in Nashville. Got about a month left. I'm gonna move back with mom for a little bit. She wants me to come stay with. Well, her. what are you gonna try to do? Well, I've been having interviews and recruiters every day. Thank God for that. Are you gonna do the same thing you've been doing? Engineer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 
I'm still in the same field. Yeah. Thank God that it's a, it's yeah. a demanding, it's a demanding workforce. Well. It's just, I'm just, I just, like I, like I would tell you sometimes, I just got to be patient. It's only been about a month, but. Well, you're young. You got a lot of time to something, for something to happen. I want something now, but I mean, like, I need to just learn to sit down and just. You got to learn to be patient. Wait on the Lord. Don't you? Hey, Therese. What are you doing? I love you too. That's for Roger. Oh, is this for Roger? Okay. Just... Would it be better if I just made one out to him? You could if you want to do that. Just make it to You can make it to Roger Sparks. Sparks. S P A R K S. Take this back and just make one to him. Okay. Okay. Huh? These comments that people put on your YouTube page. <laughs> There's something. He said God doesn't love the faith. That doesn't mean God doesn't love the faithless or the unbeliever. Oh my lord. That is this is the things I live for sometimes. They're funny what the some married. of the stuff stuff they say is funny. Because a lot of them don't have any idea what they're talking about. I've learned though, I mean, you probably learned it, but 